Hello, this is Wes Argabright. And this is Beth Argabright, and you're listening to Aldersgate On Air. Welcome back, friends, to Aldersgate On Air. Thanks for joining me today as we have an important topic to discuss, a topic that's at the forefront of every news story we see or hear and almost every conversation we have. In this 24-7 news cycle, we are flooded with dozens of updates a day about the novel coronavirus and COVID-19. Even medical professionals are looking for guidance, and there's still a lot we just don't know. We hear so much about worldwide and countrywide statistics, but what we really want to know is how is it affecting our local communities. We thought we'd check in with Aldersgate's own Director of Health Services, Brooke Hodge, for a boots-on-the-ground perspective. Brooke stays up to date with all things COVID-19, with the CDC, with the health departments, you name it, she's with it. We're also going to hear from Aldersgate residents Wes and Beth Argabright about what it's like to live in a community like Aldersgate during these times. And for some levity, we've asked Director of Marketing and Engagement Brooke Shelley back on the show to give us a lowdown on some of the cool distant socializing activities he has planned at Aldersgate. So stick around for the inside scoop on Aldersgate's response to the biggest challenge the industry has faced in modern times. Now please welcome to Aldersgate On Air, Brooke Hodge, Wes and Beth Argabright, and Brooks Shelley. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me today. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, of course. Uh, so just to kind of get the ball rolling, let's get you all uh, introduced. Brooke, tell us a little bit about yourself and what's your role. Sure. So my name is Brooke Hodge and I am the Director of Health Services I'm the nursing home administrator for our skilled nursing building um, here on the Aldersgate campus. So I um, oversee the day-to-day operations um, for our highest level of care um, here on campus. I have been with Aldersgate for about nine years now and uh, have served in many different roles uh, during my time here. I started off as a staff nurse here and then um, became the staff development coordinator, did all the education, then became the assistant director of nursing, then the director of nursing, and then um, went and got my administrator's license and now um, am in doing that. So in, in every role that I've been in, I've loved it every step of the way. There is truly no better place to work um, than Aldersgate. We're, we're blessed with um, awesome residents, um, an awesome team, and uh, there's there's no other place. Seriously, I'd rather rather be than here. Outstanding. Brooks, how about you? I am Brooks Shelley. I, like Brooke, am doing something I never started out doing. When I first started at Aldersgate, I was director of marketing, brand strategy, which also involved sales departments. So, I get to know all the new residents coming in, but at some point it switched over. One of our mission advancement people moved on to another role in affordable housing arena. And so I am connected in the community and outward facing as well. So the CEO saw that that in me, I wanted to do it. She wanted me to do it. So we kind of morphed my role to marketing, branding, and community engagement. And so I am always seeking community members because for years, Aldersgate is in the most diverse area of Charlotte. 
and we kind of apologized for where we were for a long time. But several years back, we decided we're, we're going to be a good neighbor. We're going to embrace community surroundings. We're going to embrace diversities because we want to be a diverse, inclusive, and equitable community. And so we now have communities coming out here, uh, neighborhood associations. We have immigrant after schools. We have refugee bakeries. You name it, we are, we are ingrained in the community. Recently, with the COVID outbreak, my role has morphed a little bit because it's kind of hard to engage the community when you're supposed to be at a distance. Yeah. So it, it has morphed a little bit into engaging our internal community and doing my best to keep all of the staff, all the team members, and all the residents engaged with each other while doing it safely and at a distance. Awesome. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes, but yeah, I think we've got the idea kind of uh, what you're doing now. And now our two very special resident guests, Wes and Beth, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, You go first. Well, we arrived at Aldersgate as new residents of the Gateway Promise about nine months ago. So we've had time to set ourselves up, create a little haven here, and we had been so active and enjoyed so much of the community, and then all of a sudden got our wings clipped with this COVID thing. And yet, even through all of that, we have been so beautifully taken care of. Our meals are brought, our shopping is done. Uh, if they could just do the exercises for me that I have to do every day, <laughs> do everything. While all the while uh, keeping our spirits um, way up by doing all kinds of wonderful things. And I think many of us here, regardless of where we are in, uh, Alder, in the Aldersgate campus, I think we feel very well cared for. Oh, that's and awesome. Speaking of uh, spirits, uh, they even make a run to the store for spirits when we need them. spirits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. I just had one question, if any of you can help me. What day is it today? <laughs> <laughs> Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog Day. That's why we have such happy residents here. So. <laughs> exactly. It's the 47th of April, <laughs> See, you get an entirely new calendar at Aldersgate just for you. Well, uh, Brooke, we'll talk a little bit also about, I guess, uh, Asbury Health and Rehab uh, and and what kind of role, you know, that plays for the Charlotte, North Carolina community at large. Sure, absolutely. So uh, Asbury Health and Rehab, um, a a little over two years ago, um, we moved into a new location here on campus. We have been in uh, the skilled nursing long-term care um, business for many, many years. Um, But just as we saw kind of industries um, change and the needs of our residents change, we did uh, build a new of skilled nursing building that we moved into um, a couple of years back. It's 140,000 square feet, and it is just a, a beautiful, beautiful building. Um, but that's not all. <laughs> you know, it's not just that the bricks and sticks that make a place. And uh, we are blessed with having an amazing team that, um, that cares so so richly for our elders. And we provide a lot of services. Um, 
for our internal Aldersgate community, but also for um, our external community as well. Um, we provide skilled nursing, and with that um, comes therapy services. And we um, get about half of our admissions that are coming into the building um, are coming for skilled nursing. And we serve over um, 750 um, um, patients and residents in the Charlotte community every year. It's a lot. And, um, yeah, it, it is it's a lot. And we um, provide, you know, a lot of therapy services, nursing services. We pride ourselves on the fact that we are a certified wound care center. So folks that are coming here with um, complex skin issues, um, that's, that's one of our specialties. We also um, are SAGE certified, meaning that all of our caregivers, and this goes for the nurses, the CNAs, the, the dietitians, culinary, housekeeping, maintenance, social workers, um, everybody goes through um, this certification program that really just helps our leaders and uh, frontline team members be able to build communities that are genuinely, you know, inclusive um, of the LGBTQ community. Um, so we're always looking at what services we can bring that are going to set ourselves apart from just your traditional nursing home. Um, and we are, you know, very fortunate that our team members never shy away from um, wanting to do the, the, you know, the newest and, and the best and <laughs> want to be the best at everything. Um, and so we, we maintain your really good star ratings here. Um, just we, we don't shy away from clinically complex folks um, that may come into our building. Um, kind of to Brooke's point, you know, we, um, you know, years ago, um, our, our leadership at the time, you know, had to make a decision on, you know, where we were located um, in the Charlotte community and being in um, East Charlotte um, was something, you know, in the past that, um, that, that wasn't, you know, being marketed. Um, it was something that, you know, we were, we were apologizing for, and we really just, you know, took a step back and thought, you know, why, why are we doing this? This is a community that has so much, you know, just rich history. Um, and we were going to, um, you know, embrace that. And instead of having, you know, this kind of closed wall concept of the Aldersgate community, because we're on, you know, over 230 acres of land. So we're kind of our own, you know, community in itself. You're your own and country. We, yeah, exactly. It's, you know, we were, you know, did not want to continue, um, or not really continue, but have the mindset that we were, you know, not going to really build community partnerships. And so we've been very intentional about embracing, um, you know, East Charlotte and everything that it has to offer. And how can we open up our walls and, you know, provide the services that we know we do well at Aldersgate to the community. Um, we did market studies years ago just to see what the immediate, you know, health needs were. Um, of the outside community, and, and there, you know, is a very um, strong Latina population and African American population um, outside our walls. And what were their, you know, unique health needs, um, and how can we tackle those needs and really help um, kind of lessen those health disparities that we are seeing? And so, in building our new building that we moved into, um, underneath um, our, our main skill building is we do uh, partner with Fresenius Dialysis. And because so much of the you know, surrounding community had um, needed dialysis, but they were also having to, you know, take 
multiple buses to get to, you know, the closest dialysis center. And so it, it's those type of partnerships um, that, that we started engaging in to be able to just not help the community on, you know, not just a social um, you know, an economical level, but how could we also, um, you know, help them with with their health needs? Because we knew that those were services that we did well. And how could we start caring for um, residents that that weren't the traditional residents that we had cared for for the past, you know, sixty five years here at Aldersgate? And so those are, you know, kind of the the, the things that you know are, are always on our horizon. Is what can we do next? What can we do better? And in that how can we open up, you know, our services to be able to reach, you know, the broader community that that is not just, um, you know, Caucasian, you know, rich white people even that, that have access already to health care, but how can we um, embrace the community and provide services um, to reach a, a broader network? So it sounds like you took a lot of different things into consideration and you just moved forward with just a, a super high energy approach to making this, you know, what it is today and daring to be different, I guess, is really the way to put it, to make yourselves out there to say, hey, listen, we're going to handle all of this stuff out there in the world, not just specialize on one or two small things. I think that's that's super sure. epic, actually. Yeah. And I think I think that's, you know, kind of what our strategic thinking had to be, because there is, you know, um, kind of in the, in the market today, there is so much of a drive to um, to want to stay home, and you know, home health and home care agencies are, are really they're they're building you know their pool of people to take care of so that people can stay home longer. And so, if skilled nursing homes and long term care were going to continue to stay you know viable in the market, um, you do have to look at those services that you can provide that really set you apart. Um, from from other places because you can you can look around everywhere and there's skilled nursings and assisted livings that are popping up everywhere. So what is it that's going to make someone um, want to choose Aldersgate? And it, it's looking at how we can set ourselves apart and and not just set ourselves apart, but how can we be the the best at what we do? Yeah. And and that's what we're constantly you know striving for across all all levels of care here at Aldersgate. Awesome. Well, you know, nobody really saw necessarily COVID specifically coming into the landscape, but you know, there's been a lot of other things that have happened over the years. Would you say that, you know, this was something that you guys were kind of prepared for in any fashion before this hit? Did you already have protocols in place? Sure. Um, you know, I think we we did on some level because we're always, you know, having kind of that emergency preparedness, you know, mindset. To your point, you know, several years ago, we see, um, you know, flu strains that that come along that, um, you know, kind of cause panic in the community. H1N1 was was a big one several years ago. Um, the norovirus, you know, hit um, the Charlotte area a couple of years back. Um, I, I don't think that anyone, and, and I mean anyone kind of on a global scale, uh, could have predicted what um, COVID-19 would, would be like. Um, we started really preparing for it um, really at the, the end of January, um, beginning of February, we kind of started getting, you know, word that th this looked like it was going to, um, to, to cause concern for the U.S. And so we started 
really preparing early on the the biggest piece would be the the supplies that we needed to you know procure and and that's been a global issue too of not having enough personal protective equipment so we started looking at I know Brooks and I and um, our chief nursing officer our CEO our materials manager started looking at you know where are we going to get masks and if this you know comes into our community where are we going to get gowns from and the normal places that you could look didn't have supplies so we had to you know start looking at um, really obscure places like hardware stores and things <laughs> to you know get things and it's and I know you just you never would have thought that you know we'd be walking into a you know an Ace hardware store to be able to you know get masks for you know our nurses and our CNAs and our culinary workers to to be able to wear but um, so to say you know that we, we, I think we prepare for, um, you know, outbreaks to, to happen and we have a plan in place, but to see the magnitude that um, COVID has affected, you know, our entire nation, I, I don't think anyone could have predicted. We never, we've never had something um, to this degree of socially isolating, you know, ourselves and distancing ourselves. Um, in my career, we've never had it to the level of restricting, you know, visitors from coming into the, the community. And so uh, it, it just, it, it's mind boggling to us. We see all the um, the different regulations that are, you know, relaxed right now during this time that just blows your mind that, you know, the Centers for Disease Control is saying you can rewear a mask, you know, for up to a week when, you know, a year ago, if anyone had done that, they would have shut your, you know, location down if they've seen it. So we're seeing, you know, that they're telling you, you can go over capacity for the, you know, the number of patients that you're serving. And so um, I, I don't know if anyone, you know, would have seen the magnitude that, that this, um, you know, invisible enemy would have caused um, on, you know, entire nations and, and frankly, you know, worldwide. You know, I understand that you also put together a presentation that kind of uh, separates fact from fiction regarding COVID-19. Can you just really quickly uh, walk us through what you know about that? Sure, absolutely. So um, we we put together this presentation, the director of nursing and myself, um, a couple of weeks back, just because we, we had so many, um, we had residents and, you know, caregivers that were coming to us, frankly, with a lot of fear um, about this virus, because there was, you know, just, and there's still so much that we just don't know about it. And um, we started seeing, you know, a lot of common themes that folks were coming to us about things they had heard in the media, be it, you know, on the news or a magazine that they had read. So uh, just some of the myths that we try to, you know, debunk is that folks are under the impression, you know, that the disease is airborne and that it will linger in the air for, for several hours. Um, And and that's not true. You know, it's based on droplets and it's really being within that six feet of somebody is, you know, how you're how you're going to catch it. Um, And also, you know, the contact, not washing your hands. That's that's the biggest thing you can do to protect yourself with COVID is washing your hands. But people were so, um, you know, it was so ingrained in their brains that, you know, I've got to have the specialized mask to be protected or otherwise I'm going to catch it. And, you know, really debunking, you know, that myth early on. Um, A lot of folks thought that, you know, it's going to behave similar to the flu in that if we can just get into, you know, May and June where it's going to be warmer, that uh, the virus will go away. And we're seeing that, you know, it's, it's, 
in Florida, it's, you know, there's, you know, tons of cases in Florida, it's warm there all the time. So that's not necessarily true. Um, we're not going to see that. And then, um, obviously, you know, something that, um, you know, I'm passionate about Brooks Aldersgate is really um, looking at the health disparities and the, the kind of the myths that we're going along with, um, you know, things related to race and age and gender and Early on, there were myths out there that African Americans were far more likely to not catch COVID, and and that's not true. That is more so because they, frankly, don't have the same access to testing um, that other races do. So numbers were skewed, but yet they were seeing data and thinking, oh, look, you know, we're, we're, we're protected, and that not being the case. Also, um, you know, age myths that really it's only affecting our elders and if you're young, you know, that you're not going to, um, you may get it, but it's not going to be as bad. And we're seeing, you know, in our local health systems here in, in Mecklenburg County, that the majority of folks that are in the ICU on ventilators are in that 40 to 50 age bracket. So, um, you know, really debunking that, you know, gender um, also that folks are, you know, thinking that um, it's kind of a 50-50 and we're seeing again in the Charlotte market that it's mostly, um, it's, a, it's a far more men um, that are, are being affected than, than women more disproportionately. So um, it's really, you know, just kind of tackling those, those myths that are out there and just providing our residents and our team members and our families um, with the, the right knowledge to help, you know, kind of calm those fears, not saying that they shouldn't be worried about things, because I think we should always, you know, be vigilant about um, uh, taking care of ourselves and things that we're doing, but, you know, also just making sure that we're arming them um, with correct information. Yeah, that's outstanding. And, you know, uh, Wes and Beth, I guess, to bring this back to you all, um, so how do you feel about this all? I mean, do you feel like you've been fairly well informed? Are you kind of staying up to date with everything where you're at right now? Well, I wanted to say from a resident standpoint, we felt like with our friends that are, as I call it, the outside world now, <laughs> um, we thought that the gate, as we refer to Aldersgate, okay. was very proactive and they were very quick on the scene. Many of our friends in other locations around the Charlotte area, uh, their situations didn't have lockdowns as quickly as we did. They didn't seem to have a lot of, uh, a lot of the, the systems into place as quickly as we did. And many of them would call and, and we would compare notes and we were really ahead of the curve, which, yes, that made me feel even more um, secure in where we were and what we had chosen. When we chose Aldersgate in the beginning, we chose it based on a bit of fact that we had 230 acres. Little did I know that through all of this, those 230 acres might be a saving grace because even socially distancing, we're able to get out and walk and roam all of this beautiful <clears throat> campus. And that's been a big deal in a time where you've been locked down, so to speak, Yeah, to have nature as part of your daily routine. And not only just walk and roam, uh, there's a three hole golf course that was established a long time ago. I can't say that it's anything like Pebble Beach or Augusta. <laughs> or Augusta. <laughs> but, uh, we had a 
group of us, we go out there and play in golf every couple of days. We stay six feet apart. Uh, we, they've, uh, they've made that special. Uh, we have a beautiful lake here. Matter of fact, the villa we're in right now is called Lakeview. And we're on the third floor. We can see the lake. And a friend of ours that lives down on the lower floor recently caught a six-pound bass in there. What? There's a, there's, there's a lot of excitement here. We have Including our own azalea garden. So Augusta doesn't have anything yeah. over on us. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tiger's not planning to play the course here, I can tell you that. Uh, not yet, but, you know, maybe someday. The Tiger's not coming. <laughs> yeah. No, but with a lot of the we'll change your name. <laughs> Mike, a lot of the information that we have been fed, uh, we use a an uh, iPad system when you enter. Uh, so when you become a resident, you're given the iPad system that you refer to every day, and it's um, it keeps you very up to date on all of the information and everything that the staff and the administration here is doing. And it also allows us to communicate should we need to. So um, I think the fact that they have continued to send out memos and it's sometimes daily, it's sometimes every other day, but yes, I do think that they kept us very well informed. Yeah. And so how has things I should say, how have things changed since COVID? What was your lifestyle like before and what's it like now? <laughs> well, we were both on and off campus. Of course, we live in an independent area of um, Aldersgate. Okay. And so we had, um, we had a life off campus as well as on campus. We're from Charlotte. So a lot of our freedoms were, they're still out there. And a lot of our activities, uh, our, our theater goings, um, our church, um, oh, even out to dinner. So we we shared the community here, but we also shared a community outside. Well, all of that has stopped during this uh, lockdown period. Um, we were very quickly, when we came, we came as a part of this new building process that Brooke referred to when they built the new skilled care center. They also built a new housing area which was kind of urban in flavor and, um, and uh, very new and very modern. And so when we came here, we were able to take our space and create something that we wanted because we were in on it from the beginning. So many of the people that came about the same time we did were people that had come into what we call the Gateway Promise area. And so we had become friends with many of those. We were going to activities with many of those. We were dining with many of those when we stayed on campus. And so we had kind of our own little group of friends right here on, on the compound. And of course, that was really meaningful to be able to have all of that already in place when, it, when we were locked down from doing the on and off campus deal because even though we have to stay six feet apart, we're still able to communicate with one another. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so what's your favorite part about being in Aldersgate current situation aside, if you had to just say, Hey, I love being here because of X, Y, Z, what would that be? Yeah. My favorite part's right here. <laughs> oh, I feel, I feel sorry for people that are here alone. Yeah. It, it's difficult for them. Uh, we're really blessed to be here together. Uh, 
and one of the reasons we moved here was to be together and to yeah. stay together. Uh, so uh, they said, I said early on, people ask us, well, why are you moving to there now? And I would say, well, there's only two times to make a decision like this, and that would be too early and too late. Uh-huh. And so we're glad we made the move, and we feel very comfortable being here. Too early meant that we could do this the way we wanted it done. We sure. could create a space that we created and not have somebody else in our family have to come and do it all for us. So, And then the too late speaks for itself because <laughs> many people have to move here when they don't have the physical capabilities to get involved like we've gotten involved. I love all of the classes and the activities. I miss my friends. And of course, that's one of the things that's happened with this COVID thing. We all have to do our part and I understand that, but I still miss our all of our activities from Tai Chi to yoga to, to being in the gym to our excellent to our excellent people that are, are there that that give us so much to look forward to every day and they've continued to do that even during this lockdown because they've been doing it with us and for us virtually yeah. well and you get margaritas delivered and you get margaritas delivered how did you know about that <laughs> i have my sources i don't want to you know i don't want to spill the magic secrets or anything but no. uh, you know sounds no. like i'm living in the wrong place that's all i'm saying no you're not you're not in the wrong place but you could be in a better place so. yeah there you go i love that <laughs> a lot of people that have moved into other um CCRCs, Continuing Care Retirement Centers, many of those people moved into areas that we looked at as well when we were looking for um, this home that we have found. And many of them, although they're lovely, they didn't have the uh, campus uh, acreage that we have. Uh, Many of them are, are in building processes as well as we were here, but they're literally building out on sidewalks. Here we have all of those, that acreage, and- It's a huge difference right now. That makes such a big difference. Huge. Little did we know that it was gonna be a difference like we're having right now, because we can get out and run, and yet you still have that space in between you that uh, you're not on top of yeah. one another. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, well, Brooks, you've been sitting there all nice and quiet while uh, you're waiting for me to get to you. So I think it's your turn now to kind of uh, tell us some stuff about you. But, you know, what do you think about what uh, what Wes and Beth are saying there? How does that make you feel to hear how they talk about Aldersgate? Well, as Beth and Wes mentioned, we have done several different things to engage the residents because right now, uh, being on lockdown and sequestered, it's tough to have engagement when you have to keep at least six feet from each other. And our residents have been great about actually keeping their distance and keeping themselves safe and us as well. But we've done several different things between balcony charades where we would give out clues to each building and then have the them connect with people on the balcony in the building across the way and do charades back and forth. We've done Margarita Mondays where staff has gone around and to all the neighborhoods and all the apartments and played the ice cream man jingle and had them come out and <laughs> just grab whatever ice cream they wanted. And it was That's a the great, good humor man song, right? 
that was it. <laughs> and it was the, it was a beautiful spring day. We couldn't have, we couldn't have done better with the weather if we tried. And so we threw the coolers on the golf carts and played the music through the loudspeakers and went on through the neighborhood. And it was nice to see a lot of the, the folks in the individual cottages who had put their lawn chairs out and were being very respectful of each other's distance and just kind of lining the streets appropriately distanced, of course. Sure. But just just kind of hanging out and, and waiting and being being good sports about the whole thing. The, I think the realization is that we're, we're all in this together, even though we have to kind of keep apart right now. Yeah. How does, uh, how does balcony charades work? Just my, my mind is trying to imagine it. It's, it's hysterical. And there's actually a video clip of it on our Facebook page, but it is one, the two of the buildings, face each other particularly and then there is a, the tower that looks out over some other so regardless of where you are you actually can look across and see somebody if you wanted to and so each one of them receives sheets with different clues or different words and they would enact whatever it was that they had chosen and then the folks on the corresponding balconies and the other buildings would try to guess what it was Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, you've got the balcony charades. Of course, you got Margarita Monday, which, I mean, that just sounds epic in and of itself. Whose idea was Margarita Monday? It actually came from several of our team members that just wanted to get out and do something different. And so it kind of started as a, hey, what if we do... And then it morphed. Sure. And it became it became a little bit more. So So was it kind of supposed to be a one time thing and then the popularity of it just made you say, We have to kind of continue this theme somehow? That's exactly what it was. It was so well received and so enjoyable for both the team members and for the residents that we just decided that's that's it. We're gonna to have to go ahead and schedule this on out a little bit. And <laughs> And so that's kind of where the ice cream day came from because it was it was so much fun. Yeah. Um, and everybody just everybody's been good sports about it, and we all realize that this is short term pain for long term gain. And it's, <laughs> it, it it just is what it is. Now, how does this work exactly? Does somebody drive around in a golf cart dressed as Margarita Ferry visiting all the residents and just waiting for people to come running out their front doors, or is there some kind of an order system in place? <laughs> we we actually ride around the community with the golf carts, and we let everyone know through our internal app, Wells Esta, yeah. the, what day and time, so they'll be on the lookout for and come on out front if you want to fill your cup up. We bring the cups with us, and if you're out there and you want one, we'll deliver it to you. And obviously, we're masked and gloved up. Sure. And everyone just kind of hangs out. And it, the the original idea came from meal delivery because we are delivering lunches and dinners to any of the residents that order from culinary. And we noticed one day that certain cul-de-sacs were sitting at the end of their driveway just hanging out in lawn chairs, but having a drink or not, and chatting with their neighbors. And it was like a cul-de-sac party, so they were appropriately distanced and screaming to each other and shouting across the, the cul-de-sac. <laughs> so 
having conversations. So we decided, well, why not just make the rounds and fill them up a cup whenever we're going through. So yeah. that's, that's kind of how it started. It's like a block party. It was. It is exactly what it was. And it's it has continued. Yeah. So obviously in, in the wake of what's going on, you've kind of had to make a whole lot of changes quickly. And I, I, I know that life has kind of changed and, and just kind of gone down many different trajectories. But, you know, that's just kind of one example of what you guys are doing to support the residents during this time. What other cool stuff have you been doing? Well, we actually have done our best to engage as much of our external community as well, because right now the everyone's suffering, especially small businesses. Yeah. And we are in the arguably the most diverse area of Charlotte. So a lot of the places that we have around here are locally owned mom and pop places that just don't have the depth to last through loss of income. Sure. So we we feed our staff now each day and instead of just using culinary on site, we pick at least one day a week and arrange with one of our outside vendors or local restaurants or east side partners and have them cater our lunch in and that way we can make sure that it, whatever's brought in is is sanitized and we make sure their standards are right but it gives them some business it gives them some exposure and it's also feeding our staff and giving them a break from the same old same old that they may not want any of that week so it's it's a nice way to kind of spread the spread as much of a attention around it. We're going to spend the money on feeding staff anyway. We may as well make it benefit some of the small businesses that need it right now. Yeah, and I love that idea because really, no matter where the food is coming from, it's gonna come from somewhere else. So why right. not control that somewhere else and kind of spice it up, give some variety, support the economy make everybody feel like they're not going to have the same stuff over and over again. So it really is actually a, a brilliant concept. Well done. Well, thank you. We we have our local fire department, which is literally right around the corner. And they get that one fire station gets more calls in a year than any other one in the county. But they always respond to us. Yeah. And geographically, that's going to be them. So each year we try to take them some lunch, some dinner, something. And it's typically around the holidays. And this past year, when we talked to them, they said, you know, we, we really appreciate it, but you know, we just get inundated at the holidays, which is a great thing. But if, if you want to do it another time of the year, it's appreciated then as well. So we kind of pushed it off and decided to do it during the first or second quarter of the year. So now is the perfect time. So we contacted one of our local immigrant-owned um, he's actually a Latin baker, but he also has a catering sidearm. And so today, tomorrow, and the next day, so that we get all of the shifts of the fire department, we're delivering meals to them from one of our local immigrant restaurants. And just as a just as a nice thank you. So our, our senior staff can go and our culinary staff can go and housekeeping and nurses and CNA, whoever wants to go over and help present the meal and say thank you. It, it's just a it's a great connection between our team members and the community and our civil workers. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I also heard that you guys are doing a Morse code game at night. Is that true? 
We are, and it's going over gangbusters. <laughs> we got some small uh, disposable flashlights and distributed them to everyone. And we gave Morse code sheets so that everyone can have their their sheet to figure out exactly what what they're saying or what hopefully someone else is saying back to them. But that way they can at least, even if they have a balcony or not, wherever they are, when the sun goes down, you can start sending Morse code signals and maybe, maybe learn something a little bit new when you're doing it. Oh. Actually, tomorrow night, we're not doing Morse code tomorrow night. Tomorrow night is Earth Day. So we got luminaries with bean bags to weight them down and the little plastic candles to go in them yeah. and distributed them to all of the residents. So in celebration of Earth Day, we're going to have luminaries lit up in all of the windows. And then the bean bags that are used to weight down the luminaries on Friday uh, so that they can return the bean bags, we're going around with the golf cart and holding out hula hoops. <laughs> And so they get to throw the bean bags to try to make the hoop and see if they can actually make the shot. So it's 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 a lot of fun. Yeah. And and again, our residents are they are such good sports about it and they really just want to be connected in one way, shape, or form. Well, you know, Wes and Beth have of course been very complimentary about about your place and the roles that all you guys play and all I can think of is that the way that you approach everybody, it really seems more that these aren't residents. These are friends and family. You're doing so much out-of-the-box thinking to keep them engaged. I think you guys are really kind of going above and beyond just what's required. You're really trying to make this what you would do if you were at home with your family. Well, that's pretty much the way the way we're looking at it, too, because we're with each other all day long. In my role, most of the folks that have come in within the past three years have come through the marketing department. So I got to know them. I know their their children. I know I know their dogs. I know all the dogs names. So we'll yeah, I'll drop off uh, milk bones every once in a while and just give the dogs a little treat because it's. If I were sequestered or my parent was sequestered, I'd like to think that somebody else would do the same for my mom. Yeah. And that's what it all comes back to. So it sounds like you guys are dealing with everything just the best that you possibly can. And the response you're getting is awesome. Everybody's treating this as we're just going to get through the days and, and, and do our best. And it uh, sounds like you and the residents and the staff and everybody is on the same page at this point. We are, and it is it, it is different world. We are all trying to figure out what the next step is, and that's we're we're very fortunate to have some highly competent clinical staff that have looked at all the scenarios. We have we're constantly on CDC calls, and we've got everything mapped out in the boardroom where everyone sits appropriately distanced, <laughs> but. We are planning out if this happens, then we go to this next level and that next level entails X, Y, and Z. Sure. So we've, we've got as much planned as humanly possible because at some point in time, something's going to come up that you didn't plan for. So best, best to go ahead and have what you can while you can. Absolutely. This is something that we as a group will get through and 
whatever changes that have to come in the future, we'll do it together. Yeah, absolutely. We will all do this together for sure. So, Brooke, what is your best advice for older adults living in Charlotte or anywhere regarding their health and COVID-19? So I really just think, you know, for for everyone, really, but particularly with our, our older adults, that it's just to stay home, um, you know, really following the advice of our government, you know, just to, to continue to stay home. Um, even when, you know, restrictions are going to be, you know, lifted for, you know, state by state um, to really, you know, just be cautious um, when, when you're going back out into, into the world. But for now, um, it's really just to, to stay home. Um, it's just that's our best defense at this time to just lessen the likelihood of any type of, you know, exposure. It's going to lower your risk um, in staying home. And you can't control what you know what other people are doing, but by staying home, you know, you can control your bubble. And I think at this time, that is just the safest thing that, you know, folks can do. Um, I can't stress enough for, for people, and this is going to be even after COVID is gone, we've laughed about how, um, you know, it, it takes something like COVID for us to put a focus on washing your hands. <laughs> and, you know, washing your hands is, right. is something that, yeah, it, it kind of was one of our yikes moments, you know, for the world when we're like, you know, we, we really have to remind, you know, people to wash their hands. And that's something that, you um, you know, you should continue to do 20 seconds of good hand washing, um, keeping antibacterial, um, you know, gel with you for when you, um, you know, are going out. But to be honest, our, our elders need to do things um, and stay in their homes and uh, not, uh, you know, up their likelihood of getting the virus by going back out. Because even though we may open things back up, it does not mean that it's going to be, you know, safe and that your your risk is going to be um, gone at that time. So I think that that's, you know, just a, a huge component of it at this time is to stay home. And that that's, you know, our elders here at Aldersgate have been um, staying, you know, on campus. That's what our Kind of mandate has been for for folks, and it's really you know served us well, and um, you know lessening that that likelihood of exposure for for folks. Um, you know we have put you know worldwide. I think we've put such a huge focus on the clinical piece of of this virus, and what can we do so that we don't catch it. And with that has been you know staying home. Staying home, though, and not being around, you know, our social networks um, can really make people from a, you know, a mental and psychosocial standpoint um, feel very isolated. So I think that folks need to not only worry about their, you know, clinical well-being, but also, you know, their mental well-being as well. And the best advice I can give towards that is, you know, embracing technology during this time. There is, um, you know, it's with the government recommending us, you know, to, to be, um, you know, staying in our homes and not being around family, not being around friends with churches closed and, you know, stores being closed. Um, we're not around our network of folks that we're accustomed to. And, and, and in doing that can really lead to um, people feeling very isolated um, from the world. And technology can be someone's best friend right now. And so I know it's hard for this generation to willingly want to embrace FaceTime and, uh, you know, Zoom meetings and 
things of that nature. But I really think that embracing that and being open to learning um, can really open up a whole world of being able to connect with, you know, our our kids and our grandkids and, you know, our, our church group. And I, I think that folks need to make sure that they're not just focusing on what they can do to protect themselves from a medical standpoint, but also paying very close attention to their their mental health needs as well, because that is that's that's really, really important. And keep moving is what I tell folks too. you know, being in the home is easy to, to lose function. And um, there is nothing wrong with, you know, walking outside. We see our elders right now that are really, we see, you know, them outside walking around the lake and, you know, really enjoying that time outside. And so I think that's a a big piece of it too, is don't lose that physical function uh, just because, you know, you may be stuck indoors more so than usual. So now I guess the, the last question I have for you is if a prospective resident wanted to move in now, say to independent living, assisted living or memory care, what does that process look like? What is onboarding looking like right now? Yeah, sure. So we um, obviously we um, are still taking um, admissions into Aldersgate um, really with all levels of care because we still want to, you know, serve the, the community and their needs. We're being, you know, extremely cautious, you know, in our screening of potential folks that are coming in that we're not introducing you know, COVID into the, the community and so for our independent living folks, um, they are really, you know, working with our, our marketing team. If someone had interest in moving into Aldersgate, would reach out to our marketing for independent living and they would walk you through kind of what the steps would look like, you know, to be able to move into Aldersgate. It looks a little different right now. Um, typically, someone could come onto campus and have a, a wonderful tour of all of our levels of care. Um, but with that not being an option at this point, uh, we're doing virtual tours. So having that ability to um, see, you know, our campus through technology um, and having our marketing team kind of walk you through, you know, the different services that we provide. Um, if someone does want to, to move in and, you know, puts in a, down a deposit for here, there's um, some things such as a medical screen that our nurses um, look at to make sure someone is appropriate for that independent living level of care. And then um, they really work with our, our move-in coordinator to um, kind of get that arranged. And, you know, it's a, it's a pretty... Um, seamless process that really our marketing team does an awesome job with, you know, walking people through each step and, and really, um, you know, orienting them along the way. Um, as far as our assisted living and our memory care, um, we really are, do stay, you know, full in those areas of campus. Um, and there, there typically is a waiting list for that, but you can always um, reach out to um, our assisted living social worker, and she can um, put you down as an interest and kind of answer questions for what that um, move-in process would look like um, if there is availability. But it also involves really reviewing um, someone's medicals, making sure they're appropriate for that assisted living level of care, and then um, talking about the different options of um, you know accommodations and assisted living. And it looks very similar for memory care as well, typically a waiting list for that as well. Um, and just talking with our social worker who um, oversees our assisted living, and she oversees our assisted living and memory care, um, and so she can kind of, you know, walk folks through what the, the waiting list process looks like, and 
um, if you there is availability at that time, also reviewing medicals and um, making sure that someone who's moving into memory care that they that they are appropriate for that level of care and do have a diagnosis of, of dementia and um, that their care needs can be met, you know, at that point. Um, but that's really, you know, kind of what the, the process looks like. Um, really, with COVID, the only thing that's been kind of the, the biggest change is aggressively screening um, folks prior to, you know, coming into the community um, and then um, just not being able to physically come on site to, to see things, um, you know, prior to move in, which can be a challenge because, you know, people people want to see things, you know, our admissions team, our social workers, our marketing team do a great job of, you know, really kind of guiding people, you know, along the way so that all their questions get answered. Outstanding. Are there any processes that you've introduced now during this time frame that you're going to keep when everything gets back to quote unquote normal? Sure. You know, I think that this time has really um, given us a lot of time to, you know, kind of reflect on um, what we've, what we needed to, you know, change. And um, it's, it's been, I think, the biggest takeaway that we've all found from this, which has just been, um, it's been to me the, the, the silver lining in this from, from COVID is seeing folks taking a step, and this is our employees, taking a step back from kind of their day-to-day jobs. And really, everybody has been all hands on deck in regards to um, helping to engage the residents. And so they've gotten to spend so much more quality time um, with our residents. Um, and that's part, and you know, due to families aren't here to, you know, provide that, you know, that continuous, you know, companionship for a lot of them. And so when they're here, um, you know, spending time, we like to be respectful and we, we may not be in there with them. And with the families not being here, um, it, it has given us the opportunity to really um, engage and spend, you know, quality time. And this is not just our life enrichment department, but it has been, you know, really seeing our nurses and our CNAs and our housekeeping and our culinary and maintenance and social workers that have been able to, um, you know, sit and have dinner with someone six feet away, (laughs) but, you know, really, um, you know, embracing and getting to know folks. And we've gotten so many great pictures. And so we have had conversations of, you know, when this is, when this is all over and we go back to whatever normal life is going to look like at that point, can we please hold on to that um, that mindset that it's okay for that CNA to sit down for 30 minutes with that that resident and and eat lunch or read a book to someone. Um, you know that's that may not be what their day to day has looked like in the past. It's what it looks like now. And how can we continue that? Because that's been the most enduring endearing piece. You know to see. Um, with our team members building those closer, we've always had great relationships with our residents, but seeing, you know, these closer relationships um, being built amongst people that we're taking care of has been the, the one process that I think that I would love to see um, continue. And I hope that, you know, that it does continue, that we don't get thrown back into the rush of day to day when, you know, there's so many other things that we can be doing when the world opens back up. We really do hold on to this mindset of slowing down, 
spending time with, you know, our residents and our loved ones and um, really embracing that, that uninterrupted time. Well, this has been a super fun conversation. Every one of you has been a fantastic guest. Um, been an honor to kind of chat with y'all here today. Does anybody have any closing comments before we let you get back to your day? Uh, yes. Uh, what is today? <laughs> I believe Brooks clarified that it was the 47th of July, Timber. Thank you. <laughs> Good awesome. to know. Good to know. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. This has been a blast. Thank you, Mike. Thanks so much. We've enjoyed being on here today. Us too. And I sincerely hope that all of you have enjoyed hanging out with us so far and that you will continue to do so as we explore even more awesomeness as the show progresses. You know, I really want to give another shout out to Brooke and to Brooks and the entire team at Aldersgate for taking the time to give us some insight into what the administration is doing to not just make life more manageable, but to really go above and beyond to make sure that people don't forget you can still live your life and dare I say, have a little fun truly remarkable. And thanks to Beth and Wes Argerbright for being champs and agreeing to be our first resident guests. Truly an honor chatting with you both. Y'all are a hoot. And don't worry, we have plenty more conversations planned with both Aldersgate residents and staff. So make sure you stay tuned by downloading that Podbean app on your iPads and subscribing to the show. And you'll get a notification when new episodes become available. And don't forget also, we need your feedback. So send us an email to onair at aldersgateccrc.com with your comments and ideas, and our supernatural team of radio ninjas will work their magic to integrate those into the program. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon on Aldersgate On Air.